Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And today is Thursday, August, don't tell me, 25th? It is. Because remember yesterday you held up 24 and I read 42? Yes. That's Flint Public School. You're welcome. Uh, and today, as always, we're blessed to have Chuck and Carrie, my dad, and Marius. But we're also blessed to have my former lovely research assistant, Kevin Nugent, who was fired for honestly not knowing things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Kevin said... He's read a book, uh, and you know I've almost read a book now. We're so proud of ourselves. See John Paul run. Run, or bless. Bless, John Paul, bless. Bless, bless, bless. I have to dive right in today because the Third Crusade is a mess of events. Um, and I just realized, what was it this morning, that I had eight pages of outlines and I can't inflict that on you. So I've edited, 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 edited. How do you like that? It was not easy what I just did. And that edit was brought to you by Heinz Ketchup. It's red, it's squeezable, and it goes on nothing. So uh, we're going to dive right into the Third Crusade because this is the definitive one. When we last we left our intrepid crusaders, they had established what are commonly called the Crusader States, a whole string of cities from modern-day Lebanon all the way down to Jerusalem, fortresses, and in those cities, Muslims and Christians, as a general rule, lived in peace. Uh, that once everything simmered down, you did have commerce winning the day. Uh, quite literally, the making of money uh, tended to end a lot of the conflicts. Now, on both sides, you had agitators, Christians who said there shouldn't be any Muslims here, and Muslims who said there shouldn't be any Christians here. And that led to the normal problems. Sometimes Muslim leaders had to hang Muslims. Sometimes Christian leaders had to hang Christians. The troubles always came when one of the extremists gained real power. And in this case, in the buildup to the Third Crusade, we're going to spend a lot of time in the buildup to the Third Crusade, uh, Renaud, Renaud de Châtillon, or as we're going to say, Ray Ray. Okay, we're not going to call him Ray Ray. Reggie. Reggie. Reginald of Châtillon. Uh, Renard of Châtillon broke the peace treaty with Salah Adin, and we're going to call him Saladin. It's just a lot easier. Uh, by attacking a Muslim caravan and taking a ton of prisoners, killing everybody else. And one of the prisoners he took was Saladin's blood sister. Oops. Not a good move. The Muslim uh, community and especially, as you can imagine, Saladin were furious. He broke the peace and he kidnapped Saladin's sister. He vowed... I will kill Reynaud with my own hands. That was his promise. So Saladin starts marching on March 3rd of 1186. The city of Mosul, Iraq, surrenders to Saladin. Now, in August of 1186, a big thing happens. And again, if you've seen Kingdom of Heaven, this is a different timeline than the movie showed you. Okay, Namely, King Baldwin V, who was a young king of Jerusalem, who Saladin loved, and he loved Saladin, and they worked hard to keep peace. Well, he died. He died of leprosy. Should I sing the leprosy? All my skin is falling off of me. Oh, I'm not half the man I used to be. Oh, how did I get leprosy? Kiss me quick before I lose my upper lip. Okay. Wow. Was that awful? Should yes. I not? Have yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Sibylla, King Baldwin V's sister, was crowned Queen of Jerusalem, and her husband, Guy de Lusignan, or Guy, as we'll call him, it's spelled like Guy, is crowned king. This is contrary to what Baldwin V asked for. 
So this is what happened, right? The king is dead. His queen is made sister and her husband is made king. Now, uh, Guy has a little bit of a problem in that he has a reputation for not being willing to fight. The truth appears to be that Baldwin wouldn't let him fight. He found it better to live in peace with the Muslims. But be this as it may, the forces of a guy named Raymond in, of Tripoli uh, are in Tiberias, and they don't like this ruling, and so the, the kingdom in Jerusalem splits. So this crusader state is now fractured in two over a succession issue, right? Um, now, this takes us to 1187, uh, and 1187 is generally considered the beginning of the Third Crusade. It's going to end with a peace treaty uh, giving Christians access to Jerusalem, but as you'll hear, Saladin freight trains them. Okay, so. Uh, in 1187, in March, in response to his sister being taken prisoner and that caravan being attacked by uh, Renault, Saladin begins a call for a holy war against the Latin kingdoms of Jerusalem. Uh, you'll be like, well, what about the eastern ones? You're going to find they side with Saladin here. Okay. Now, in May 1st, a large reconnaissance force of Muslims crossed the Jordan River with the intent of provoking the Christians into attacking. All right. Uh, why? Because they want a bigger war. Uh, they don't want to just attack Baldwin or um, Guy and Reynold and be done with it. Saladin's thing is, let's wrap this up. Right. If I cross in and I attack, maybe I can draw all the Christian armies together. Now, this is designed by Saladin to last as short as he can, but the Christians don't engage them. However, several dozen Templars uh, seeing this massive army suicide charge the Muslim army so that the civilians can flee. Uh, these Templars had some hospitalers uh, in with them, but their goal was simple. They suicide charged this huge Muslim army. There was uh, less than 200 uh, Templars. And you're talking about, they attacked a force of about 100,000. And they did it to hold back this army while people got inside the cities, got away from the army. Does that make sense? Okay. They were wiped out. Uh, obviously. That was in May. Uh, in June, the end of June, Saladin launched his invasion of the Latin Kingdom of Jerusalem by crossing into Palestine official. Uh, July 2nd, Muslim forces under Saladin captured Tiberias, the city of Tiberias, but the garrison managed to hold out in the citadel. Okay, so inside most cities, you had a heavily fortressed, uh, fortified area where you could do a tactical retreat and just hold out as long as you can. You do that in the hopes that somebody comes and rescues you. Because remember, we talked about this. When you're sieging a city, the worst thing that can happen is an army comes behind you because then you got to fight on two fronts. So... Um, the Christian forces uh, start camp. They uh, ended up camping at a city and they're trying to find out what to do. They realized we don't have enough people to attack, but we got to get in there and rescue those folks in the citadel. Uh, Guy, you remember him, uh, the king of Jerusalem, uh, decided let's just stay here, right? Let's stay here. And Raymond supports him. Now, here's the thing, the same Raymond de Chatillon, now his wife is in that citadel, okay? Uh, but the two of them decide, eh, let's not do it. That stirs uh, a lot of the troops to really detest Guy. Go rescue your wife. We're all right here and we're ready to go. Um, so in the end, uh, the head of the Templar order, a guy named Gerard, Gerard convinces him to attack, right? Let's go save them. 
uh, this was a bad move, okay? On July 3rd, they set out. This big army in Sephoria is now going to head out to engage Saladin's forces to rescue the people trapped in the citadel. But they didn't bring water with them. Okay, their goal was, well, when we get to Hatin, there's a well there and we can replenish. But this was a profoundly bad idea. Uh, you may remember, as I told you, the knights are wearing 60 pounds of armor. Uh, and if you've ever been in this area, and I have, it is shockingly hot. Like 105 degrees is no big deal. Now, there's no humidity. It does make a big difference. But I remember every time I opened the door, it felt like opening an oven door. I mean that. It's just hot. So imagine traveling all that distance in your armor thinking, well, we'll get to the well. All we got to do is make it to the well in Hatin, and then we'll be fine. Here's the problem. When they got to Hatin, they found out the well was dry. What, why was it dry? Well, remember the whole it's really hot thing? Um, and not only that, but Saladin, when he realized the stupid, stupid move they just did, he did what great leaders do. He uh, made it worse. He set fire to any brush in the area uh, to make them more thirsty and more miserable. And the accounts of this were that they were insane with thirst and, and heat. That seemed like the perfect time for Saladin to attack. Uh, on July 4th, he surrounded the Crusaders at the empty well and absolutely, positively obliterated them. The piles of corpses that they piled up, witnesses say, were 20 to 30 feet high. Nobody survived that battle, uh, except, of course, the heads of the army. Right. They're fine. <laughs> so what happens there is uh, at that battle, all the crusaders are killed, and immediately to, um, the crusaders in Lake Tiberias kind of said, okay, we're in charge now, right? They did not go into this battle. So the crusaders who weren't at the battle saw the gap in the coverage and said, okay, we'll take charge. The key is this, those crusaders should never have left Sephora. They should have never marched to Hattin. Uh, they were defeated as much by the desert as by Saladin. Uh, Raymond of Tripoli uh, died of his wounds. You remember Reynard de Chatillon? Uh, Saladin personally cut his head off. Um, the other crusader leaders did find uh, Gerard, uh, the Grand Master of the Knights Templar, uh, uh, was ransomed, which was a common practice. After that battle ended, uh, Saladin moved to capture all the Christian cities. Okay? July 8th, they arrived at Accra or Acre. It really depends. I, I've heard both. This is the fortified city. The city uh, surrendered to him immediately. There wasn't even a battle. Other cities that surrendered to Saladin were always treated well. Jaffa resisted. Um, and so when he took the city, he sold the entire population into slavery. That is July 8th of 1187. How are we doing? Yeah. Okay. On July 14th, uh, Conrad of uh, Mont well, a German prince, king, depends on your perspective, arrived at Tyre to take up the crusading banner. He had intended to land at Acre, but he got there and was like, oh, so Ladin's in charge. Maybe I'll just move on. Uh, so he did. Um, and then Saladin, well, let's not get into that. Okay. So now, late July, the city of Sidon surrendered to Saladin. August 9th, the city of Beirut was captured by Saladin. August 10th, the city of Ascalon is captured by Saladin. Uh, and in the next month, he would capture the cities of Nablus, Jaffa, Toron, Sidon, Gaza, and Ramallah. He completed a total ring around Jerusalem. So there are two crusader cities left. One of them is Jerusalem, and he has completed completely surrounded that Jerusalem. Uh, on September 19th, he broke camp 
and started toward Jerusalem. Uh, on September 20th, so he was pushing his men, they got there. Now the defense of Jerusalem is led by a guy named Balin of Ibelin. Uh, he did not go to Hattin, right? He was like, yeah, I'm not stupid. Uh, I'll stay here. And part of his struggle with them going to fight was, if you lose, there's nobody in Jerusalem. There were two knights in the whole city of Jerusalem. There were, they went anyway. Um, now, Saladin had told him earlier, you have my permission to go into Jerusalem and get your wife and kids and get out. But when he got there and got his wife and kids, the people begged him to stay and defend them. They were terrified because the Muslims are going to take the city. And what every Muslim in that army knew was that when the Christians took Jerusalem 150 years before, they killed every single Muslim they could find. Right? Remember I told you about how there was blood flowing like a river. Balin had at his hand, I'm sorry, three knights, if you count him. Okay? Uh, everyone else, any other warrior, any other knight, any other foot soldier was all killed at Hattin. So Baleen asked Saladin, can I stay? Okay, um, I want to stay. And Saladin promises him, your wife and your kids, I will make sure a personal escort takes them to a Christian city. <clears throat> Excuse me, takes them to a Christian city. Again, do you see why they love Saladin? He said, I get it. Honor requires you to stay and defend. And your honor requires you to protect your wife and kids. Tell you what, I will guarantee your wife and kids safe conduct to a Christian city, in this case, Tyre, T-Y-R-E, which was a city where they made these round rubber things. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That was the city of Firestone. <laughs> and speaking of Firestone, today's show is brought to you by Heinz. If a stone was on fire, it would be red like our ketchup. So uh, all of this, uh, this is the quote from one of the books. Actions like this ensured Saladin's reputation in Europe as an honorable, powerful, and chivalrous leader. On September 26, uh, Saladin had scouted the city for five days and launched his assault. For his part, Baleen did something that to you and me is total common sense in that day and age was shocking. He gave everyone a weapon. Um, everyone got a weapon inside the city of some sort. Back then, knights fought. Nobody else did. This time, he, he had three knights for the whole frickin' city, so he loaded them for bear. <laughs> Every male Christian was given a weapon whether they knew how to fight or not. Uh, and the whole idea is what? Make it as hard to take this city as possible. Kill as many people as you can, and maybe we can get peace terms. Right? Um, why not surrender it? Honor wouldn't let them, and they were afraid Saladin would say no. I don't want your surrender. I want to retake the city and pay you guys back. Uh, September 28th, there had been two days of heavy assault and the Christians were repelling them. But at this point, September 28th, two parts of the walls started to buckle. St. Stephen's Tower partially falls and a breach appeared at St. Stephen's Gate. Now we think, why does that sound familiar? Because that's the part of the walls that broke for the Crusaders. 150 some years before. September 30th. So they held out for four days. Isn't that crazy? Uh, Jerusalem officially surrendered to Saladin. In order to save face, Saladin demanded that a heavy ransom be paid for the release of any Latin Christians and that those who couldn't pay the ransom were to be sold into slavery. Uh, Orthodox Christians were permitted to remain in the city with no penalty, Eastern Christians. But here's the thing. Saladin did that because his soldiers would have revolted if he didn't. The fact that he wasn't killing every Christian infuriated them. So we said, okay, they all have to be ransomed. 
Uh, here's the key. Saladin ransomed most of them from his own funds. He paid for them and said, no, Christians gave us this money to let these people go. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Um, and sometimes uh, he, he frankly lied about who paid ransom. Here's the key. Nobody got sold into slavery. Everybody got ransomed and set free. Uh, Christian leaders kind of did a crappy thing here. And this is my tribe, the clergy. You're welcome. Uh, they smuggled out a ton of gold and treasure and didn't use any of it to help people. Um, yeah. Let me just say this. Oops. They needed a finance council. Yeah. Father, we appreciate you trying to steal money like any good priest would, but we'd appreciate if you helped out your tribe. Fine. October 2nd, Muslim leaders under Saladin take control of Jerusalem. Uh, and this, uh, this ends any Christian presence in the Levant, right? That area. Now you think, wait, why all the delay. Why did he wait two days to officially take the city? Well, he wanted the retaking of the city to fall on the anniversary of Muhammad's ascension at the Dome of the Rock, right? So Muslims believe if you go to the Dome of the Rock today, there's a big stone in the middle of it and what looks like a footprint in the stone. And they believe that's where Muhammad's last step was before he ascended to heaven. Well, Saladin being so devout wanted, okay, we get the city back on the anniversary of his ascension. Now, unlike the Christian capture of Jerusalem 100 years earlier, there was no mass slaughter. Uh, there were debates as to whether Christian shrines like the Holy Sepulchre should be destroyed, because what was the idea? Let's take away any reason for Christians to want to pilgrimage here. Right? If we burn down and destroy all their shrines, there won't be any more fighting. But Saladin insisted no shrines were to be touched and that the Christian sites be cared for. Um, now, you may remember, well, no, I'm not going to get into that. Now, here then, Sal Saladin does a really crazy, interesting thing. He orders all the walls surrounding Jerusalem to be destroyed. Right? What was his thinking? Well, if you can't defend it, you won't take it. Okay. Uh, now, remember, m the Muslim armies have access, if you'll excuse the phrase, to hundreds of thousands of Muslims within 100 miles. For Christian armies to get there, they have to travel all the way from Europe through Eastern or Byzantine Christian territory, which is hostile and get there. So they're like, we're not going to need walls. But if Christians retake the city, they'll need walls. Okay, you know what? I'm not on the right page, so give me a second. You said there's a question here for me. Uh, this will just take me a moment, you wonderful people. Okay. Dear stupid, did women go on crusades? Absolutely. Uh, if you get a chance to read what's his name's book, uh, Dan Jones's book on the Crusades, and I think it's just called Crusaders. He has a whole chapter on women who fought in the Crusades. Um, to be crass, or to be blunt, neither Muslims nor Christians were comfortable with it, but it's what happened. And some of these gals, you try to stop them. You know what I mean? Uh, is it really Diane DeLuca's birthday today? Mm -hmm. Happy birthday, Diane. I award you 12 Jesus points. 12. Oh, done. For every month of the year. And a special hello, of course, to my Martha, to New York, and to CK. That's what I'm calling her. Okay. Uh, okay. So there we have it. Uh, now, get this. We haven't really started the Third Crusade yet. Right. Saladin uh, has captured everything just about. And that's when the Third Crusade is invoked. Uh, on October 29th, 1187, in response to the capture of Jerusalem by Saladin, and you're like, wait, 27 days later? That's lightning fast. That means news got from Jerusalem to Rome in somehow less than 27 days. Isn't that crazy? But in response to that, Pope Gregory VIII issued a uh, call for a third crusade. Now, this crusade would end up led by Frederick I Barbarossa of Germany, 
Philip II Augustus of France and Richard I Lionheart, uh, Richard the Lionheart of England. Now, in addition to the obvious religious purpose, right, we need Jerusalem safe for Christians, which, remember Saladin guaranteed? But this happened before, didn't it? Anyway, Gregory had some other motives that were a little less religious, uh, but were smart. Uh, France and England were perpetually at each other's throat. And as the Pope correctly saw it, they were wiping out peasants, they were destroying the economy. And his thought was, if I can get them on the same page, maybe it would take their dark energy against each other and help. We can put that anger to good. Um, he's briefly successful in this. The two kings do come together, and we'll get back to that. Uh, but let's get back to the Holy Land. On October 30th, Saladin marched his army out of Jerusalem, uh, and then he launched another assault on Tyre, but this one fails like his first one did. In December of 1187, Richard of Lionheart becomes the first European ruler to say, I, uh, we are going to be a part of the Third Crusade. We are in, okay? Uh, that was in early December. Conrad, uh, commander of the Christian defenses in Tyre, tried a night raid against Saladin, okay? Uh, so Saladin's still besieging Tyre, and he's using ships to do it. Uh, he, uh, but Conrad comes charging out of the fortress with his ships, chases Saladin's ships away, and it really ended Saladin's navy, which wasn't much to speak of, right? As you can imagine, desert people aren't too fired up about navies. Um, and now Tyre can be replenished by water. Right? Boats can land and get them stuff. Um, so now we jump back. So remember in December, Richard Lionheart said, I'm in. In January of 1187, Henry II of England and Philip II of France meet, and they agree, we're going to join in this campaign against Saladin. We're going to crusade. They also instituted a, quote, Saladin tithe to help fund the Third Crusade. Do you know about this? No. It's a tax that was one-tenth of a person's income over a three-year period. So over a three-year period, you had to give one-tenth of your income to the Saladin War, right, the Third Crusade. Now, do you want to guess how you could get out of this tax? Join. Join, yeah. You guys are all right. Join the fight. So guess what? Huge army. Yeah, <laughs> huge army. I would go fight an enemy rather than pay taxes. Or send one of my children to do it. Yeah. Oh, uh, why every three years? Do you know that's because income was so sporadic back then. If you have a great harvest year, you've got a lot of money. If you have a bad harvest year, you wouldn't have any. And so if you do a three-year, you're going to squeeze more cash out of them. Or you could just hire more IRS agents. Mm -hmm. 80,000? Oh, that would be ridiculous. No one would do that. In <laughs> Back to the Holy Land. In May of 1188, uh, Saladin uh, laid, for laid siege to the fortress. That was the head of the Order of Knights Hospitaller in Syria, but he failed to take it. It's the largest fortress in Christianity at the time. In July of 1188, Saladin agreed to release Guy de Lusillon, remember him, the king of Jerusalem, mm -hmm. who he had captured the year before. Now, Guy took up a sacred oath that if you release me, I will never fight Saladin again. And as soon as he got home, he was found a priest who goes, yeah, that oath isn't valid. Sweet! I can fight. Mm -hmm. Now, again, you might think, I thought this was a time of honor. It was for the people beneath. Like, people like us would be like, you made an oath. But, you know, it's kind of the typical thing. Like, remember the whole mask thing? Where all the people saying you had to wear masks, they get filmed at restaurants, and uh, it's the same thing. All the people who want to tell you how to live, they only want to tell you how to live. They don't want to live that way. Yeah? I want you to care for the poor. Isn't that funny? And they don't care for the poor. Right. 
In Jesus' time, we call them Pharisees. Like something is stopping them, right? The politicians, right? Who, who, we want you to give more to the poor. And by the way, we have an army to back us up. They're rich. They can help the poor. Ah, I'm not at all upset. In August, Henry II of England, Philip II of England, meet up in France, right? We're going to get together now and go fight this war. And instead, they began punching each other. It turned into a brawl over their political disagreements. So the Christians rallying is going super. Good news, guys. You got to pay more tax or fight to the death in a country 3,000 miles away. And your leaders are beating on each other. And do you think like they fought like rich, you know, like I always, okay. We call that blind windmill karate. (laughs) Saladin meantime is like, yeah, you guys do you. I'm just going to keep kicking butt over here. And in December, on December 6th, he took uh, the fortress of Safed. Um, He returned to Damascus shortly after. And now we're going to jump back to Europe. So this whole time, while Europe's like, we're going to head over there and fight. We got 100,000 dudes. They're all still in Europe fighting over who gets to be in charge, who gets to march at the head of the column, who gets, right? And by the way, uh, we would really like more tax money to fight this war that doesn't appear to be happening. And Saladin is just like, this is great. And he's marching over. He only failed to conquer two cities he set his eyes on. Think about that. Yeah, that's batting 800 in baseball. Who's going to be featured in the trailer? Oh, yeah. So finally, January, I kid you not, of 1189, the troops began to gather together under Philip II of France, Henry II of England, who's going to quickly be replaced by his son, Richard Lionheart, and the Holy Roman Emperor Friedrich I. So they start marching. Friedrich drowns, crossing a river in his armor. Don't do that. When did he realize he didn't float? Yeah. But don't worry, Kevin, about that lost guy, because Friedrich I of Barbosa... He's on his way. He's going to help fight this crusade. And the march through the Byzantine land, he had to do pretty quick because the Byzantine emperor signed a peace treaty with Saladin against the crusaders. Right? Uh, So this guy moved. uh, And what he did was kind of smart and tough. I almost said bad. I don't know. (laughs) He captured the Seljuk city of Iconium. Right, so he's he kicked that hornet nest. It's not enough that they're gonna go fight Saladin, let's fight some Seljuk Turks. He did that in May of 1189. Are people okay? Yeah, okay. In July of 1189, Henry II died and succeeded by his son Richard Lionheart. Now, Richard only spends a very little time in England when he's made king. Immediately, he started appointing people, run stuff while I'm gone. Uh, He didn't care about England. He didn't even learn English. Uh, He was a lot more concerned about protecting his lands in France. And he wanted to make a name for himself. He wanted to be sure, and he was clear about this, everyone will know my name. And don't forget, it's Bob the Lionheart. Back in the Holy Land, uh, Jabala, Jabala Castle surrenders to Saladin. Uh, two weeks later, Sahyun Castle surrenders to Saladin, and he, rele- he led the assault personally. Uh, another castle falls to Saladin three weeks later. And then we get to August 28th. Guy de Lusignan arrives at Acre, or Acre, with a force a lot smaller than the Mar- Muslims guarding it. Okay? So what does he do? Uh, he is determined, I am going to rule this city. Uh, it didn't work out. So then in August, Guy de Lusignan uh, launches an assault against the city of Acre and fails to take it. Uh, but people like started to like this guy charging into this unwinnable battle And troops start to leave their people and go to him. Um, 
Now, at the same time, Danish and uh, ships arrived at Accra and started blockading the city by sea. So now Guy has a force that's growing, that's sieging the city. And in the meantime, other Christians have blockaded it by sea. It's now surrounded. Um, this is where we go back to Europe. Uh, Richard the Lionheart is crowned King of England. The representatives of the Jewish community, community arrive with gifts to honor him as their new king. He ordered them stripped naked, beaten, and whipped by a mob who then he ordered to burn down the Jewish quarter in London. Uh, and what? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> He uh, and other crusaders begin the awful tradition of changing the focus of the crusade. We're going to kill Jews. Uh, hundreds of Jews in England were slaughtered by the crusader army. And you might think, wait, why? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just like we talked about before. Uh, so... <clears throat> Let's get to uh, October 4th. Conrad, uh, one of the German kings, uh, and Guy de Lusignan large, launched an attack on the Muslim camp defending Accra, and they nearly did it. But it cost them a ton of men. Okay, They nearly took this camp that was guarding the city, but it cost them, quote, heavy casualties. Uh, the Masters of the Knights Templar was captured. Uh, Conrad was captured. Uh, but Guy charged in and rescued him. Okay, so this is a mess. Um, an Egyptian fleet arrived to try to help the Muslims there. The Danes drove them off. So that blockade held. Uh, in the meantime, go back to England. Crusaders uh, marched to Stamford and killed all the Jews there. They marched to York, England, and um, began to siege the city to kill the Jews. The Jews all there committed mass suicide uh, rather than be captured by crusaders and be tortured and forced to be baptized. Uh, the Jews in York were uh, uh, massacred by the crusaders. Um, yeah, it's just crazy, okay? Um, crusaders then, two days later, rampaged through a city called Bari, Bury, I think, St. Edmunds, and killed 57 Jews there. Uh, so this is how the crusade's going. They haven't left their home yet. They haven't set off for the Holy Land. Instead, they decided to go step through England and kill their own citizens who were Jews. Uh, by April, Philip II of France had arrived at Accra to participate in the crusade. Uh, June 10th, well, we went through that. Okay. Um, you remember that German army that had crossed through Anatolia successfully despite the Byzantine hostility? Um, well, Saladin worried because uh, Frederick Barbosa was a tough man and a great leader, but this is when he drowned. Right. This is when he was trying to cross a river in full armor and he drowned. Uh, so what ended up happening? Uh, the Muslims immediately attacked his army. And that 100,000 German man German army that had left Germany, 5,000 of them made it. That's it. Right. Uh, had he shown up with that whole army, this story would end different. Um, so in June, the English decide we've killed enough Jews. Let's head off to the Holy Land. Philip II of France also decided that, and their army totaled about 100,000 men. Um, Richard Lionheart uh, arrives in Sicily. So that's the route he's going to take. And uh, they know we're going to stay here for the winter to build up and get ready to go the next year. Uh, but the people in Sicily rioted. They didn't want these crazy English crusaders in their country, and a bunch of soldiers got killed. Um, 
So these kind of things go on and on, okay? Um, and while in Sicily, Richard meets with uh, the king of Sicily to try to figure out how can we live in peace until we can get out of here. Um, but what are you going to do? Uh, you just have a lot of ego here. In the meantime, the siege at Accra is still happening, and a huge amount of corn arrives from Germany to help these guys uh, to make uh, corn on the cob. No, it's to give them food. Um, so uh, King Philip of France, finally in March, leaves Sicily and sets out for the Holy Land. In April, uh, Richard Lionheart departs. Uh, they're all heading there, but Richard's forces hit a massive storm and they lose a lot of dudes. So France and England are finally gonna actually join the fight, but not together. They can't work together. So this huge army is divided. Um, Philip II heads right to Accra to help the Crusaders uh, besieging the place. Uh, Philip had his army build siege engines and going after defenders on the wall. It's a good way to go. Richard Lionheart's crusade for uh, fleet arrived uh, in Cyprus and he began conquering there, right? The Muslim forces there. Uh, but why there? Well, the storm blew them off course and they weren't quite sure where they were. Uh, but when they arrived, they saw the situation and there you go, okay? Um, yeah, la la la. Okay, lots of stuff going on. Uh, the Count of Flanders was killed during the Siege of Accra. Flemish soldiers and nobles had played a big part in this crusade, uh, and they had been some of the first to get there, so that was a big loss. But finally, June 5th, Richard Lionheart set sail again to get to the Holy Land, and he arrived there June 6th. Here's the key. Conrad, you remember him, refused to allow Richard to enter the city. Okay, he had to camp outside. So you remember, this is that same theme over and over. When one side is in unity and the other isn't, the side in unity wins. Um, Richard got mad and took all his toys and headed to Accra and joined the Crusaders there. Uh, he arrived with 25 galleys and they started besieging. His tactical skills and Richard's brilliance made a huge difference. And eventually he was just given command of the whole banana. Okay. Um, more ships arrived. Uh, then on July 4th of 1191, the Muslims at Accra offered to surrender. Okay, you, you got us. Uh, the Christians refused their offer. They penetrated the walls four days later. Uh, Saladin um, attacked the army besieging the city, uh, but was not successful. He could not break through. The English knights and the French knights were there in full battle array. So 50,000 strong army of crusader knights held off Saladin, who just turned around and went home. There was no way they could take it. July 12th, Accra surrenders to Richard Lionheart and Philip II of France. Now, during this siege, this is an interesting little trivia. Six archbishops, 12 bishops, 40 earls, 500 barons, and 300 Christian soldiers were killed. But remember, well, keep this in mind. This is now the only Christian crusader city. This is it. All the others fell to Saladin. Uh, and they will hold it for 100 years almost exactly, which is insane. Okay. Um, then they, Richard took that crusader army and started marching down to try to take the other cities. Uh, he marched 27, first before he did it, he marched 2,700 Muslim soldiers out of Accra onto the road of Nazareth in front of the Muslim army who had just tried to attack and lost and had them executed one by one, right? He wanted the Muslims to know, frankly, I'm here. It's different now. And it was. He was legit. Um, now, Saladin uh, had, for more than a month, delayed uh, fulfilling 
his agreement on what would happen when Acre surrenders. Okay, so him and Richard had something pounded out. We don't know what, but Richard felt he wasn't fulfilling it. And so that was Lionheart's way of letting him know, I can do this all day. Are you going to keep your end of the deal? Um, so while they then, uh, so then whatever happened there, we don't know, but Saladin fulfilled his agreement. Okay. Then Richard starts marching, right? He's going to march down the coast of Palestine. And on September 7th, he, uh, his army was ambushed by Saladin, uh, and Richard knew they were coming. He somehow got data, and he set up a whole system. He defeated Saladin. Um, the Muslims left there and conquered a few more cities. They even, by the way, sent a whole force over to what we call India now uh, and set up a whole kingdom there that stood for a really long time. Uh, we're going to skip all that. Um, we're going to skip all that. It's just, there's so much infighting among the Christian leaders. And Christian leaders are constantly making deals with each other that screw the guy not in the room over. And then that guy not in the room remembers and a year later screws them over. Right? There's a ton of this. There's pages and pages and pages of this. Um, and then there's all kinds of intrigue when the uh, ruler of... Um, Jerusalem, uh, ah, never mind, I'm not even going to get into this. Okay, just lots of intrigue, lots of drama, and the Muslims play it perfect, right? If we assassinate this guy discreetly, the Christians will just assume the other Christian, who they're mad at, did it. And they play this game mwah, perfect. Okay. They play it perfect. You know about assassins. It was a group of Muslims that were trained from, from, from childhood to uh, carry out assassinations. Um, and we can get into that later if you want. On September 2nd, 1192, uh, the Crusaders had been rebuffed. Uh, trying to take Jerusalem twice. They tried to take it back twice, and both times they were turned back. And some of that was just, of course, Saladin's great battle tactics and the fact that he just kept burning fields. The Crusaders could not find food. Okay. So on September 2nd, 1192, the Treaty of Jaffa ended the Third Crusade. Uh, Richard Lionheart and Saladin hammered out an agreement that Christian pilgrims would be allowed special rights to travel inside of Palestine and into Jerusalem. Um, Richard, in the meantime, had managed to capture back the cities of uh, Escalon, Jaffa, besides Acre. Uh, but, you know, uh, the kingdom of Jerusalem was never large or secure, uh, and it just couldn't be held. So the Christians gave up. And Saladin made a promise, I will take care of your people, right? I will protect them. And he had proven he would do that before. So uh, the agreement's made. On October 9th, Richard, uh, the ruler of England, departed to go home. On the way back, just as an interesting side note, uh, the king of Austria captured him and held him hostage for two years. <laughs> Took him two more years to get home. Is that when Robin the Locksley, you know, Yes, yeah, so exactly, with his bow and arrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know that was a mess of data. Oh, uh, why? Oh, why are the Jews always the underdogs? Oh, if you go back to the first episode I did on the Crusades, was it the first one? Yeah. I covered that as best I could. Yeah. Um, I encourage you to do that because I skipped whole sections. Remember the German Crusaders leaving? They did the same thing. First, they went through all of Germany and killed every Jew they could find. Uh, it, it is something Europe never got right, uh, except for Poland. Uh, oddly enough, Poland's, uh, Jews generally had a very safe place in Poland. Uh, German anti-Semitism, anti-Jew, uh, anti-Judaism in Germany has always been particularly, not always, it's not anymore. There's none left there. But um, it's always been an issue. Right. Like if you ever get a chance, when Martin Luther did his Reformation, um, one of the things he did was wrote a really strong letter to the Pope about how stupid it is that we treat the Jews like crap 
if we treat them well, that will show them the beauty of Christianity. And then as soon as Luther got power, the awful, awful things he did to Jews, right? Uh, uh, there was even a city where they built a giant pig statue and made the Jews process out every Good Friday and kiss its butt. Right, like the awful things they did. Uh, it's 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 in there. If you can get to episode one, it's not pleasant to listen to it all, uh, but I think it's an important insight to see that this predates Christianity. This started with paganism and Rome, and the Europeans grabbed that and ran with it. And uh, also in there I cover where the Muslim anti-Jewish thing came from, which isn't universal to Muslims or Christians. Holy crap, I should say that. But it was definitely a factor, um, a huge factor. So um, one thing you might want to know uh, is that in March of 1193, so a year after Richard left, Saladin died. Uh, they believe he died of exhaustion. He just, you know, he, he, how many times did you? Well, then he was over here, then he was over here, then he, and he wasn't just fighting the Christian armies. He was fighting his own people. And he was the wealthiest person anywhere at that point and died broke. Uh, he gave all his money away. They didn't even have money enough to have a funeral. Uh, the people took up a collection. And I think I told you, the Germans built a mausoleum for him out of marble. Um, they loved this guy. Right? An honorable enemy was considered a gift. Because you're always going to have enemies. Right? Uh, uh, and if you can have an honorable one, oh. <laughs> it's, I know it's just a different way to think. Um, but uh, that ended Muslim unity. When Saladin died, his kids all started killing each other uh, to see who got uh, his kingdom, in a sense. Um, his death is probably the only reason the Crusades kept going, because Christians at this point realized we can't beat him. Richard Leinhart's the best guy we got, and he had 100,000 dudes and couldn't do it. He took one significant city. Right. So, and Saladin was not that old. I can't remember how old he was. Uh, can you look that up, Chuck? How old was Saladin when he died? Either one of you guys. I don't think he was 60, if you can believe that. I mean, and you, anyway, I could go on and on. So, uh, what we'll do next time, and again, please don't get discouraged. If this bores you, uh, the next sections, like the Fourth Crusade, Fifth Crusade, I'm just going to do short summaries. Uh, and uh, hopefully, like the Fourth Crusade, I have one, two paragraphs. The Fifth Crusade, I have two paragraphs. The Sixth and Seventh Crusade, I have three paragraphs, right? So I should be able to next show wrap up the Crusades. But what I hope you're gaining, do I have time? Yes. Is, oh, yeah? 58 or 59. As he was 58 or 59 when he died. Isn't that incredible? Uh, and again, I, I, well, don't get me started. So um, what I want you to see is these cities were Christian, and then the Muslims conquered them. And everything was fine until that one guy, right, the mad caliph, uh, al-Hatim, started killing Christians and Jews. And the Christians were like, you can kill Jews. We're good with that. Don't kill Christians. Right? And that really started this back and forth, back and forth. But again, remember, the Byzantines at times sided with the Muslims. Uh, there were Muslims that sided with the Christians. This was all about power games. And really the key was this. I think to some extent, and I want to be clear, there are historians much smarter than me who would probably disagree with me. The Templars are the only people in the Hospitaller Knights who really captured what was going on. We just want Christians to be free to go pray, to be safe to pray in these places. And Saladin got that. And that's why the Templars and Saladin at times got along and at times didn't, because they all got it. That in terms of religion, this is just about Christians, Jews, Muslims, well, of course, to them, Christians and Muslims, should be able to just go pray there, 
without threat of violence for who they pray to. Okay? But uh, for the most part, this was just about who gets to rule, who gets to be in charge, who gets the glory. Uh, so we're going to take a look at those. We should be able to knock out a bunch of them. Uh, and then, uh, as you'll hear, the Crusades just get smaller and smaller as everyone realizes this isn't doing any good. The other thing that sometimes gets missed, and this is one of my personal theories, uh, if you look, every time people from different parts of the world show up and start killing each other, something comes home with them. Disease. Right? Think about it. Yeah. Every time, like the U.S. has been in a major war, a disease breaks out. And I, I, I know a lot of that is just because of bloodborne pathogens and, and viruses and things. But the same things happens here. What we're going to eventually see is the Black Death in Europe, right? And where does this come from? Well, they now know definitively it came from Tibet. Well, how did it get to Tibet? Well, the Mongols are going to get mixed up in the Crusades in case it isn't crazy enough. They conquered Tibet and they brought roads and uh, all kinds of neat things and a little thing called the Black Death. <laughs> but you do get all kinds of stories when these guys came home that Europeans were dealing with new sicknesses. And Europeans tended to just call it flux. Uh, which was their word for, yeah, I don't know what that is, but it hurts. Uh, and Muslims started dealing with it. So these guys swapping blood in battle led to uh, a thinning of the population, of course, because of battle, but also because of disease. Um, so I'm, I'm 52, right? So the world population doubled in my lifetime. And that's never happened before. There's never been a generation before us where you can say, well, I'm 50, the world's population doubled. The fact is, we're just not killing each other like we used to. <laughs> I remember the good old days. No, but it really is true. And uh, plus, well, no, don't get into all that. So I just think this stuff is all very interesting for a lot of reasons. And when you hear, you know, people talking about, oh, the Christians did these horrible things in the Crusades, they were reclaiming. Right. I'm not a fan of going to war for Jesus, but it's not like Christians just woke up one day and said, let's start crap with the Muslims. No. Um, I, I, in fact, I should. It's just I don't want to get overly contentious. I have a map right on my phone right now that I can send to you and we could post it and you could see, OK, where did the Muslims invade? And you'll see a map of Europe and every red dot is where they invaded. And then you see, well, where did the Christians invade? The same map. Well, that's the yellow part that's right here, right? About an inch. They simply were trying to retake cities that were theirs, that they never conquered. The people there all became Christian in the 4th and 5th century. So I just hate, and I heard that crap when I was in college too, right? Oh, these awful Christians. That, oh, police. Okay. Um, there were, as you heard, grotesqueries done by the Christians, awful ones. But they weren't against Muslims. It was always fair fights against Muslims. It was the Jews. And it was both sides doing it. And they suffered more than anybody because they had no reason to be attacked. So that's what I got for you. The next time we get together is tomorrow when we'll do our question and answer. We'll kind of forego the Crusades. And then next week, I should be able to wrap them up. I'm going to walk you through the last three, kind of four Crusades and introduce you to two very important groups. Uh, and of course, I just forgot the name of the ones, Mamelukes uh, and the Mongols. Those are two groups we need to know for the last thing to make sense. So there we are. Whew! I got to tell you guys this morning at Mass, did you hear what I said? Were you watching Mass? I said, and I quote, and I'm totally sincere. I said, hey, don't forget, we're starting the Third Crusade at noon today. And I was like, no, we're starting to cover the Third Crusade. Because Kevin grabbed a sword and was like, let's go! And I'm like, no, Kevin, stop it. And get away from that synagogue. Lord have mercy. Okay. Well, there we go. Salad pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Jesus, we come to you aware of our past, our personal past and our collective past. And for the horrors we inflicted on your chosen people, we beg for forgiveness. And we beg for a healing of wounds. Our sin is a sin against the commandment that we should honor our father and mother. And as St. John Paul II said, we are all sons and daughters of the Jews. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we've put our pride above your mission in our daily life, in our family, in our work. For where we tried to make sure we were taken care of instead of the mission taken care of and the mission being to teach people about you and to serve the poor and vulnerable. We're so sorry, Lord. Forgive our pride. And Heavenly Father, in these days, it seems particularly relevant to cry out to you for leaders, leaders who will love us, who will love our country more than their party, and who will seek after truth rather than populism. Oh, Father, you know all the people we love so much and we worry about, and you know all those circumstances that we fret about. Well, we give them all to you, Lord, because we love you and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you beautiful people tomorrow as we take question and answers from a top secret bunker in the city of Accra. Is it over? No, it's never over.